Thank you so much for watching. We are Vertical Church Ovilla, and we're so happy you're with us today. While you're here, click subscribe so you can check in with us every week. Today, we're wrapping up our Real Live series, where Pastor Brian is talking about being fishers of men. Let's go fishing. Well, welcome today to our Big Catch Sunday, the end of our series, Real Life. I'm glad you're here. God's been doing a work in all of our hearts these past couple of months as we've looked at what real life is in Jesus Christ and what it means to be a follower of His. If you're a fisherman, uh, I'm sure in, in your history somewhere, you've got your great catch, your big catch, that thing that, that moment that stood out to you, that biggest catch that you'd ever had up to that moment. And you remember where you were? You remember what lake it was or river, wherever it was? You remember um, the bait, the lure you used? You remember what the weather was like? Because it's the stuff of legends, really, at that point. It's your big catch. And it, and it should be. Fishing is uh, like no other sport. Other sports, you can see the opposition. Other sports, you can know where the finish line is. With fishing, you are entering a realm that you can't see to catch something that you don't know if it's there or not. It's a different kind of sport. And then when you get close to what you think is your catch, it nibbles, it toys with it, it pulls at it, it takes it in the opposite direction, you have to fight for it, it fights even more, finally it gives up, it surrenders, and comes into the boat, and then you've got your catch, right? That's why in fishing there are record holders, there are those moments that have been uh, captured for us. I want to show you what the International Game Fish Association calls the greatest catches. Here's four of what they say are the greatest catches that really kind of stand in history. So if you go back to 1953, a man named Alfred Glassell caught this 1,560-pound black marlin in Peru. That's massive. That's a giant fish. It says... He recorded that during his attempt to catch the fish, it flew up out of the water 49 times. That's a lot. That's a lot of resistance, and there's a lot of pull there. And it has reigned as the largest marlin catch still, and it's been 60 years. Mm. Also, Alfred Dean caught this great white shark near Australia in 1959. He used porpoise for the bait. That's big. It only took him... A little less than an hour, and it weighed 2,664 pounds. It's a lot of fish. October 26, 1979, Ken Fraser caught this 1,496-pound tuna off the coast of Nova Scotia. Still reigns as a record holder. If you move over into the freshwater channel catfish category, you find in 1964, W.H. Whaley caught this 58-pound catfish in South Carolina. Man, record holders. Those are the big record holders that stand in the fishing world, the greatest catches. So when it comes to life, when it comes to this life, and we're talking about more than just fish, I want us to think today about what are the greatest catches? What would be the greatest catch in life? And I'll tell you up front, the answer is not Jesus today. Normally in church or Sunday school, that's the standard answer, you know. If you're a child in Sunday school and the teacher asks a question, you're pretty safe normally if you just say, Jesus, yes, come up and get a candy. That's not it today. So you can just take that one off. 
Off your board, this is not the answer today, but we're going to think about what it means to have the greatest catch in life. Let me go ahead and, and knock another one out that is probably an obvious for us because I, I want to say up front, the greatest catch has nothing to do with possessions. It has nothing to do with riches. It has nothing to do with popularity, getting the most tweets, likes, shares in the social media realm. It has nothing to do with any of that. There was a man who once lived who was the wealthiest man ever to live on planet Earth. And he had at his disposal anything he could have ever wanted. And the Bible actually records his story. And it tells about how he chased after all of the things that he could, that he thought might bring him some sense of joy. His name was Solomon, and he chased after, for a while he chased after anything he could that would just bring him any kind of physical, emotional, mental pleasure. And at the end of it, he said, that wasn't it. He chased after information, knowledge. He thought, if I could be smartest, wisest, most knowledgeable man on the planet, surely that would bring me some sense of satisfaction. He said no. He chased after any kind of extravagance he could have. Houses, land, possessions, and at the end of it all, he said, I've seen everything. I've been able to chase everything. I've had everything. If you're gonna get some information from somebody, he's the guy to get it from because at the end of it all, he said, it is all just like chasing after and trying to grasp the wind. You just can't get it that way. So we can just eliminate that from our board this morning as well. Although it seems to be one of those things that we all kind of in the back of our minds think, man, if I could just just hit the lottery. I, th I think everything would be fine then, right? It's one of those things where you think, man, if, if, I could just, if I could just have that car, if I could just have that house, if I could just have that job, if I could just have that much money, surely, surely then I'd be happy. Let's just go ahead and just be clear this morning. None of those things can bring you what you're really looking for. They can't. And here's how you know. Because you know people who have those things. You know people who have the more money like you wish you had. You know people who have more house, more car, more popularity, more notoriety, more job, more whatever. You know those people, and you know they are not always happy. In fact, some of the ones that you know live the most wreck of a life have that stuff. Hello? It's true? It's true. So we can just eliminate this morning uh, wealth, possessions, popularity, any of those kind of things. That's not the answer either. So when it comes to great catches and the greatest catch, what is it? Well, we turn to the words of Jesus who said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus didn't say, follow me and watch your Instagram account next. <laughs> he didn't say, follow me and watch your social media tracking, because man. He didn't say, follow me and then go check your bank account. It's about to get big. He didn't say, follow me and look what you're going to be driving. 
He didn't say, follow me and you're going to get this kind of house. He didn't say that. He said, follow me and here's what I will do. Here's the promise I make. Here's what I'm all about. So in other words, here is what life is about. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He was saying that to some fishermen who understood the lingo, understood the language. Let's put it in some today language for us. Jesus says, follow me and I will do such a work in your life that you will become a change agent in the culture. You will become what I use to change others' lives. You. That's the work I will do in you. So if you're, if you're wondering what your worth is, if you're wondering what your purpose is, if you're wondering what life is really all about, you've chased the money, chased the job, chased the popularity, chased the pleasure, and you found none of them are doing it for you, Turn to what Jesus says, follow him, and he'll start doing a work in you that will lead to a fulfillment greater than you've ever imagined before. So the greatest catch would have something to do with seeing God work in the lives of people, right? That's the greatest work. It's so tempting, though, to get all that backwards. It's so tempting to just reverse it all and make what this is all about the last piece instead of the first piece. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek him, his righteousness, and the work he's doing in you, and all these other things that you're concerned about, worried about, all that will be added to you. Maybe like you thought, Probably not, though. Could be more, could be less. That is not the point. The point is being a follower of Jesus Christ. So if it's in this category, then, of real life is about bringing change into the other's lives, then the greatest catch would have to have something to do with people. You being able to influence others. You being able to speak to a father to help him turn his heart back to his children. You talking to a mom who's struggling with her identity and purpose and helping her find who she is in Jesus Christ. You making a difference in another couple's marriage who are struggling to understand how do we live this stuff out. You making a difference there. This is where the greatest catch would have to be. This is what real life would have to be. But what would be the greatest catch? If people is the pond or people are in the pond, who would be the greatest catch? This is really our question for the day. Who would be the greatest catch? I'm sure you have people in your life that you have prayed for, thought about, and thought, oh man, if only, if only they could come to know Jesus Christ, them, if they could. Let's think today about a few people that we might think would be the greatest catch. The greatest catch you might think would be someone who had the greatest potential. You might think, hey, man, I know this, I know this person. 
They are so talented. Oh, man, if they came to Christ, whoo, they could just use their talents for God. They could, they could really shine for him. And, and man, they're well-known, too. I mean, they're, they're popular, really. If they, could, if they ever you know, bowed their knee to Christ, followed him, they would be the one who really could touch a lot of people. We might think, man, it, it, maybe, you know, I know someone who kind of is in political realm. If they could come to Christ, you might think, man, if that person, that person there, I see them in the news, man, if they could come to Christ, they would be the difference maker. They could change the laws. They could change the land. They could make a difference. And it's easy to start thinking that way about people who are popular, powerful, talented, and to think, man, if they could come to Christ, they could donate their money. They could help build orphanages in other countries. They could help donate to ministries, help fund them. They could plant churches. They could give to those in need. They could do all of these things. They could fund missionaries. Surely they, surely they would be like the greatest catch, people who had the most potential. It's easy to think that. Those who have a lot, could be used a lot. But in the New Testament, you find this very profound piece of wisdom that describes God's intention. And here's what he says. He says, there are not many wise according to the flesh and not many mighty and not many noble that are called. When it comes to what we perceive as those who are powerful, popular, wealthy, it's often difficult for them to come to Christ because they trust so much in what they have. And coming to Jesus Christ means letting all of that go and following him only. So the greatest catch, though we might think would be someone of great potential, that's not necessarily the greatest catch. Well, you might think, well, the greatest catch would be someone who, um, who's been in the deepest pit, the darkest place. Someone who's really just been in the depths of despair, been in the depths of depression. Maybe they've been in some abusive situations. Maybe they've been in some drug abuse situations. Maybe they've gotten to know, know some people kind of in the, the underworld. Surely you think if they could come to Christ because of where they've been, because of what they've done, because of who they know, surely they would be the one who would be the greatest catch. I mean, they would be the ones who'd be most grateful for mercy. They'd be the ones who would say, Wow, this love of God is different than anything else. Surely they, because of who they know, they could go back and tell them. Surely they would be the greatest catch. The truth is, not one person's story is greater than another. Because you don't have a gory story of being in a pit somewhere and, and addictions and abuse, and be, because you don't have that story, does not mean your story is not full of glory. There are some of you who have grown up in solid families. You've grown up in church, but you came to a place where you recognized one day that being good was not enough. You still had this emptiness inside, and your story then became how God rescued you there and how you had to learn to depend upon him for him being good enough, not you being good enough. 
Everybody's got a story. Don't ever be ashamed of your story, whatever it is, wherever you've come from. Whether it be dark, whether it be simple, your story of faith has been given to you by God. So no, it's not the person with the greatest despairing story either. That's not the greatest catch. You might say, well, surely the greatest catch then would be the person I've been praying for, that person that God's put on my heart, the person that I've had this overwhelming sense of passion and compassion for. If I could see them come to Christ, you might think surely that person is the one, is the greatest catch, because that's the person that keeps you up late at night. That's the one that you ache for. That's the one that you think about during the day. It's the one that's close to you. It's the one that maybe is in the same home with you. It's the one that you've struggled for, longed to see them come to know Jesus fully. Surely that would be the greatest catch, not just because of their need, but because God put them on your heart. Surely that would be the greatest catch. I mean, they could make the most impact. They would be the one that would be the story that I could tell. Look what God did when I prayed for them. Here's the truth, though. You and I can't know the timing of God and the ways of God in how and when he's going to work in someone else's life. I can't know that. It's right to pray. It's right to hurt for them. But that one is not necessarily what we might say is the greatest story. You and I really can't know the greatest story, who that story, who that person is. I can't know who that is. I can't know what God's going to do in someone else's life. He chooses, he calls, he has the timing, he has the purpose, he has the plan. There's really only one person who can know what the greatest story is and who would be the greatest catch. And that person is Jesus alone. So today, I want us to look at some words that Jesus said where we can get the answer to who would be the greatest catch. Our words come to us from Matthew 5, and Jesus says this. You, you are the light of the world. You who put your trust in Jesus Christ. You who have turned from your sin. You who he died for. You who he was placed in the grave for. You who he was resurrected for. You who were chosen. You who were called. You who have been shown grace. You who have been gifted with the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. You who have been anointed. You who have been called. You are the light of the world. You are the greatest catch. Because see, you can't decide who else is, when, will are going to come. But you can choose whether or not you will 
hear what he says. You are the light of the world. What's fascinating to me is that these words here are spoken by Jesus. Right? They are spoken to some people sitting on a hillside who were listening to him, believing him. So those same words apply to us today if you are his followers. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is saying these words, and he's saying them to you. This is not a child saying this to a parent. This is not someone who's uh, unpopular saying it to someone who is popular. This is not someone who's poor saying it to someone who's wealthy. This is not someone who wishes they could be to someone else who they think is. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the risen Lord, turning to you and saying, you, you, you are the light of the world. Jesus could have said, he was and he did, but here in this moment, he's turning it and he says, you, you now have received me and you have become the greatest catch. Ooh. You are the light of the world. You have been given the very spirit of God, truth of God, grace of God to be the difference maker in our culture. You not someone else, not just the pastor, not just someone else somewhere else, you. The greatest catch happens when you realize that and believe that. Mm, you are the light of the world. Jesus goes on in this passage and he says, a city that is set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. You just can't do it. A city, just think about this, a city with thousands of tens of thousands of people in the city, up on a hill, established buildings, commerce, activity. It's up on a hill. Daytime, nighttime, you see the city. It's meant to be seen. It's placed there. It's a place of security there. It's a place of purpose there. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And much like a city that's been set, established, purposed to be on a hill, you were never meant to be hidden. You're not meant to hide your light. You're not meant to disguise it. You're not meant to cover it. You're not meant to go walk out into this world and pretend that you're not something that you are. You are the light of the world. Don't hide that. That's what great catches do. They come up out of the water. They get caught. They get in the boat. They're caught. They're in. Do you know that there are people in your life that are in need, I don't have to make that point to you, you obviously know that. There are people in your life that you know that are struggling. There are people that you know that are struggling with anxiety, fear, and depression today. There are people you know that are struggling in their relationships today. 
They've got some kind of conflict. They've got a marriage issue. They've got a a parent-child issue. They've got a family issue going on. They've got work stuff going on. You know them. There are people that are struggling with um, some frustrations with life. It's just not working out like they thought. It's not happening like they thought it was going to happen. Those people are in your life. And if you know them, you have been established as the city on the hill for them. It's true. You might be thinking, well, I'm, you know, someone else probably have to talk to them. Hello, why do you think God put them in your life? You, you are the light of the world. Stop listening to the enemy that says, oh, well, you can't do that. You surely don't know enough. You surely have no business talking to them. But if God put his light in you through Jesus Christ, you have now become a city set on a hill. You are the light of the world. You are called to it. It's what you've been made to do. That's your purpose. This is where you're going to find your greatest sense of satisfaction, joy, fulfillment in life. Not in chasing after money, cars, possessions, popularity, money, that stuff. Is fleeting. That stuff is temporary. But when you walk into someone's life and you share the gospel with them, you show them how to walk and follow Jesus Christ, and they change. They soften from an arrogant, cruel, mean person to someone who's humble and broken and kind. There is nothing more rewarding than that in life. That's worth a whole lot more than anything else that this life could offer. You weren't meant to be hidden. Don't hide your light. Don't hide who you are. You've been meant to be seen. In other words, you've been caught so you can be sought. You've been caught by Christ so that you can be sought by others. So that they will say to you, hey, I noticed you're not like other people. I noticed you have a hope in you. I noticed you don't get angry like everybody else does. I noticed you don't go and do what everybody else does. I noticed you didn't go with us the other Friday night. I noticed you didn't do what everybody else has been doing. What is going on in your life? That's your moment. You have been caught so you can be sought for that moment. That's the way he does it. You weren't meant to be hidden. Jesus went on and he said, nor... Do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house, everybody in the house. When you were chosen, called, anointed, filled, you were purposed, you were placed, you've got the family you have, not by accident, not by your parents choosing or their forgetting to choose. You are here by the sovereign design of God. And the family you have, you have by the sovereign design of God. And the people that you know, you are placed in their lives by the sovereign hand of God. So that the light that he shines in you, the catching that he does in you, will be light and hope to them. And boy, the enemy and the world have done a number lately on believers. There's this crazy thing happening right now where believers feel like we got to somehow rein it in a little bit, back off a little bit, pull away a little bit, because they're kind of not faring so well out in the world right now. We're not the 
in crowd. We're not the ones being sought out, at least in public circles. But I know behind the scenes, because I get to hear the conversations, I get to hear the believers here at Vertical say, you know, I've been talking to this friend of mine, and it's been taking about, uh, I don't know, a couple of years of conversation, but I've been telling them about um, some things that God's done in my life and about church and about Christ, and they've started asking questions. You see, that's where it's happening. It's happening at that level. It's happening at the grassroots level. Don't listen to what's out there. The enemy will do his best to discourage you, dissuade you, and hold you down and make you think you can't have a voice, but you, you, you and me, we are the light of the world. You and I are the greatest catch. Your heart surrendered is the greatest catch. You're not meant to be hidden. You weren't meant to be put under a basket, but you were meant to actually be put out on a lampstand, this verse says. You were meant to be put in a place of prominence. You were meant to be put in a place that you might not have sought after, but when it happens, that is your moment. Sometimes that moment happens because of some good things, Sometimes that moment happens because of some painful things. Hello? I talked to a a lady recently in our community who has um, struggled with a disease that has taken her absolute strength from her. Um, Two weeks ago, I guess it was, or a week ago, visited with her. She's down to like 82 pounds. And you might think, oh, Lord, where are you? How come? Why is this happening? But this woman was being used by God like a light put on a lampstand. Because as I sat and talked with her, I found out she had a very vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. I found out that um, her dad did too. I found out that His church that had thousands of people in it were all praying for her. I found out that several other groups and churches had all had her on their prayer list as well. I found out that her family is watching all of this saddened, yes, but in awe of what God is doing in the midst of it. And I started thinking, oh my goodness, she would have never chosen this In fact, I asked her, and she said, no, I don't like being out in front of people. I don't like being the prominent one. But here was God using a very difficult time to put her on a lampstand for her faith to be seen by thousands and thousands of people who would see and cry out to God on her behalf. Wow, you never know how God's going to use you, but you are the light of the world. Don't despise your place. Don't despise where you are. Don't despise what he's doing. He has set you in a very specific, careful place that you may give light to all who are in the house. You have people in your family who are hurting. They're your house. You have people in your 
very close family, your own home. They're in your house. God has uniquely placed you on the lampstand so that all who are in the house might see the light. Amen? Amen. That leaves us in with the responsibility. And here's what Jesus says. We wrap up. Verse 16 of Matthew 5, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In the house where you are, in the family, in the home, in the workplace, in your community, in your friend base, on your social media account, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be, that's your house. Those are the people who need some light, and you have been placed there by God to give light to all who are in the house. They need you. That single mom that you know who's hurting, desperate, she needs some hope. That marriage that you know about that's struggling to make it, they need some hope. That person who's battling the addiction, that one who's struggling with the abuse of their past, they need some hope. And you have been placed. You have been placed there to give them that hope. You are the greatest catch because you are the only one that you can control. So today, don't be the fish that comes up and nibbles on the bait and just nibbles and swims away. Don't be the one who bumps the lure just to see what will happen. Don't be the one who tugs at it. Don't be the one who swims away. Don't be the one who takes the lure but heads off in your own direction to do what you want to do. Be the fish. Be the one who gets caught, who surrenders to the will of the great fisherman himself, who comes into the boat completely surrendered and says, none of me anymore, none of my old world anymore, none of my life, none of my things, none of the places I used to go, none of the things that I used to do, I'm all yours now, Jesus. That's what the greatest catch does. He surrenders it all that he might be caught completely by Jesus, your heart fully surrendered. Would you bow your heads with me? The greatest catch belongs and starts in your heart, a heart that's surrendered to Jesus. And he invites you to that today, to be caught, to fully yield, to surrender to him. Maybe you've been the fish who's fought. Maybe you've been the one who's pulled away. Maybe you've been the one who said, I want to do it my way. But God's been speaking to your heart. You hear him. His love is speaking louder than any condemnation you've felt in the past. His forgiveness is louder today than any guilt you've felt before. His freedom is more appealing than going your own way anymore. 
And today, you're ready to say, I'm yours, Lord. I'm in the boat. I'm caught by you. If you've never begun a relationship with him, or if you've walked with him for a long time, here's the prayer. Father, thank you for being so good to me. Even when I was doing my own thing, going my own way, trying to live without you. I've been fighting against you. I've been trying to do my own thing. But today, I stop. I surrender. I yield. You've caught me. Your love is greatest. Your purpose for my life is greater than I could have imagined. I want to be used by you. You've made me light. And I will shine for all who are in my house. I will follow you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer this morning, just as a way of testimony from your own heart and to the Lord. Would you just lift your hand? Amen. Amen. Lord, I am caught today by you. No more of me. Amen. All of you. Amen. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that when we were in the depths of our failure and shame and sin, you came looking for us. I'm so grateful that when we were living like we thought best and even trying to do our own thing, you came looking for us and you rescued us. You poured out your love through Jesus. You paid for our sin. You gave us forgiveness and you call us now to follow you. Father, with our lives now, we will follow. No more chasing after what the world promises. No more chasing after what we thought was right. We'll chase you. We'll follow you. And you will do the greatest work. You'll make us fishers of men. You'll show us real life. I thank you for the hope that's found in you today. I thank you for new life. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Today when you came in, you received a candle. This candle, this candle represents light of the world. You, light of the world. I'm going to light this candle, my candle. And I'm going to pass this light. I want you to turn and pass it to someone as well as a picture of what we are called to do, to be the light of the world, to be the light on the lampstand, that it may give light to all who are in the house. And as you share your light, accept the responsibility that you have to love that family member, show mercy, show grace, pray, to love that friend, to love that coworker, to show the light to them. What an amazing service. 
We hope that this message inspired you and leads you to a vertical life. Next week, we're going to start a new series called Choked, where we're going to learn about overcoming the choking power of comparison, jealousy, and greed. Come check it out live online at 1030.